Amen. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we just pray right over our church now. Anything that is in our lives that we just feel is unmovable, unbreakable, Father, we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that You make a way, that You make a way for the situation, for the circumstance, for the relational breakdown, whatever it is, Lord. If there's anything we are struggling with this morning that is gonna hinder You doing Your work in our lives, Father, we pray against that right now, Lord Jesus. We pray by the power of Your Holy Spirit that You just come into that situation and You tear it down, Father. We know that nothing is impossible when it stands in front of you. And as Ty's already said, we just speak the name of Jesus. We whisper it, we speak it, we shout it, we scream it, whatever it looks like, Father. We just rely solely and wholly on you. We pray this in your powerful and holy name. Amen. 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 Well, welcome church. Why don't you have a little stretch out of worship as we sit down for three hours and listen to the Word. Have a little stretch. Say hello to someone next to you. Give them a little handshake or a high five. Fantastic, fantastic. Turn to your second choice neighbour and tell them they look good. However, you are in church, so don't lie. You can just smile if they don't. That's okay too. All right, please take your seats. It's fantastic to have you in the building and online as well as ever. Let's give a little wave to our camera up here to everybody watching from near and far. We welcome you if you are online. It's a really great Sunday today. We have a guest speaker, so you don't have to listen to me for 40 minutes. How good is that? He has a nicer accent than me. He's probably a bit more biblical than me as well, so we're going to be blessed. But please, won't you welcome Ari and Amy. Give them a big Luton welcome. They join us uh, this morning from one of our Elim churches, City Gates in Ilford. Absolutely incredible church, doing amazing work. And I think Ari's official title is Youth Director. But if you've ever worked in church, you know, Youth Director is probably about 4% of your time. Ari does all sorts of things in the church. He's also involved in our denominational youth ministry called Limitless. You do that nationally and regionally as well. Uh, And I've known both Ari and Amy now for a good number of years. And I'm just so blessed that I get to bring them home to my church uh, to come and speak to you. So as Ari comes up, why don't you give him a really big round of applause as he gets into the Word of God for us. Morning, Elsia. It's really, really good to be with you. Thank you, Mike and Becky, for having Amy and I here today. Um, We've heard really great things about uh, this church and... I'll share a little secret with you. Um, we also kind of stalk you guys online. Um, <laughs> and absolutely love the stuff that uh, you guys are um, doing here. And so it really is a, a privilege to be here with you uh, to share God's word. Um, as Mike mentioned, I am uh, the... I'm actually, my title is actually Youth and Young Adults Pastor, but I'll forgive you for getting that wrong. I, I, I am the Youth and Young Adults Pastor at uh, Citygate Church in Ilford. Um, that is my... Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Love the Ilford in the building. Um, yeah, so that's my current job, but my first ever job I had when I was uh, 17 years old. And um, I, I guess really, I was about to take a gap year. I was about to finish my A-levels and take a gap year. So I was like, I kind of need some money. So let me try and find a job. And somehow managed to get a job at this uh, like little Italian... It was a restaurant in the evening and a cafe in the mornings. And um, 
because I'd never had a job before, the owner of the restaurant wanted me to come and, first of all, just come and sit and watch how um, the kitchen worked and how different uh, waiters uh, did their roles as well. And so I did that. I came, I sat, and I watched. Uh, that was really boring, but um, and not actually that helpful, but we move. Um, and then uh, I had to work two shifts for free, and it was like training, but I was working the shifts. Um, and so I did all of that and then started to actually get paid for the work. And honestly, if I'm being really honest with you, I was a terrible waiter because my arms and legs are really long, and so I'm just really clumsy. And so I would drop, uh, like, plates and, like, and glasses and break them all over the place. It was just really... And it's just a really stressful... Are there any, like, people who work in restaurants here today? If so... Oh, no one. Okay, cool. Well, <laughs> that's probably why. It's a very stressful environment to be in. Uh, and, but um, I'd never... When I went back to, like... Uh, sick form uh, to talk to my friends. I never actually told them about all of those, like, mishaps. I just would tell them, oh, yeah, I've got a job. I work as uh, a waiter, and I'm also a chef. And I wasn't a chef. I literally just put toast in a toaster. <laughs> um, and, and so, like, but that's what I would tell them. I would, I would tell them I am a waiter and a chef. But no matter how much I told them that, it didn't make me a good waiter, and it definitely didn't make me... Um, a chef. Even sitting and watching the people do all of the different things um, didn't make me a waiter or a chef. And I guess at this point you're probably thinking, why are you talking about your, your very first job? I, I think there are a lot of parallels between my experience of my first job uh, and what it is like to be a Christian sometimes. Um, I think sometimes we can kind of watch how other Christians live their lives um, and try our best to imitate them, but not really know what we're, we're doing, if we're being honest. Uh, or we can kind of tell people, yeah, I'm a Christian, yeah, I go to church. But we're not, we haven't really quite figured out how that declaration of being a Christian should match the life that we live. And so what, what I want us to do today is look at the scriptures. What do the scriptures have to say about what it looks like to follow Jesus? What do the scriptures have to say about what it looks like um, to serve God. <laughs> and, um, there's actually a lot in the scriptures, and so we're not going to go through the whole Bible, you'll be glad to know. Although Mike did say I could speak for as long as I wanted to. So. But um, we're going to look at a specific passage. Um, so if you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to John, not John, First John, uh, chapter 1. Whilst you turn there, I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are and for all that you've done for us. Thank you for your word. Lord, would you speak to us today through your word and by your spirit. Speak directly to our hearts and to our situations. Give us ears to hear what you want to say and soften our hearts to receive your word that it might produce fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, in this uh, passage that we're about to look at, I think that John, the writer of 1 John, writer of this letter, I think he gives us a helpful idea of what it looks like uh, to follow Jesus. But this is how he starts. Uh, I'm going to go from verse 5. So, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. 
This is the message we have heard. Um, oh, let me. Oh, sorry. I'm just messing things up for the guys at the back, sorry. Um, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. This is where we need to start. Before we get to what it looks like to serve God, to follow Jesus, we need to understand who this God is that we follow. We need to, because the nature of the God that we serve determines what it looks like to follow him. So here John tells us that God is light and in him there is no darkness. So God, this God, is completely morally pure, completely full of truth and justice and goodness and love and there is not a speck of darkness in his nature. Evil and wickedness are completely foreign to the character of God. And this is such an important place for us to start. Not only does this understanding of God's nature help us to understand what it looks like to follow him, but it also shows us that he's absolutely worth following. See, if God is light and there is no darkness in him, if this is true, um, then he can absolutely be trusted to have our best interests at heart. He can absolutely be trusted to lead us into life and wholeness. And he can absolutely be trusted not to deceive us or lead us astray. God is light and there is no darkness in him. And so he's worth following and submitting to. And so the the nature of God impacts what it looks like to follow him. So let's go to verses Uh, six and seven. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So if God is light and there is no darkness in him at all, We can't claim to have fellowship with him if we continue to walk in darkness. And notice what John's really saying here. He's saying that being a Christian, following Jesus, has to be more than words, but actions too. It's not enough to claim to know God if our walk is still in darkness. See, through Christ, God has called us out of darkness so that we might have relationship with him in the light. And so if this is the case, we have to leave darkness behind. Essentially, he's saying we can't just talk the talk, but we have to walk the walk. If we claim to have fellowship or relationship with God, we must walk in the light as he is in the light. And so this is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. This is what it looks like to be a Christian. It looks like living as those who have been brought out of darkness to live in the light. But all this talk about light and darkness is a little bit vague, right? So for the rest of our time together, let's dig into what it looks like to live in the light instead of the darkness. Um, And so Jesus brings us out of darkness and into light. And the, the first way this transition plays out is that Jesus has brought us out of sin and into righteousness. Let's uh, 
yeah, Jesus brought us out of sin and into righteousness. And if you've been a Christian for a while, maybe even if you haven't, that, that sounds really obvious. Like, that's the whole reason Jesus came to die for us, to save us from our sin, right? But as we continue through the passage, I hope that you'll be open to how John might be challenging your perspective of what righteousness looks like. So, um, looking at verses... Uh, 7 to 10. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, um, forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Okay, so walking in the light looks like, from verse 7, being purified from all our sin through the blood of Jesus. Through the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross, we've been made righteous. But then John says that if we claim to be without sin, that we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And actually goes on to say that if we say we're without sin, that we make God out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So on one hand, we've been purified of all sin. But on the other hand, if we say that we're without sin, we deceive ourselves. So make up your mind, John, which one, which one is it? It's both. Let me explain. Many of us go about our Christian life Believing that we can come to Jesus and receive forgiveness. That's good. That's true. But it's almost like we feel like once we've received that forgiveness on our own, that our salvation is based on what we've accomplished. We start to tell ourselves that we're Christian because we just woke up and decided to be a good person. But if that's the way we view our salvation, if our salvation has something to do with with being earned based on the good things that we've done, then it's also something that we can lose based on the the wrong things that we've done. And because so many of us have this mindset, when we sin, when when sin shows up in our lives, it actually has a potentially um, devastating effect on our view of ourselves, a devastating effect on our identity and our salvation and so we handle it the way we always handle difficult things that we don't know what to do with we bury our heads in the sand Um, and we pretend that the problem doesn't exist Uh, or as John puts it we claim that we are without sin and we do this either one of two ways we we often claim that we have no sin by covering it up. We cover up our sin, hiding it from everyone, coming to church, putting on a fake persona, acting like we've got it all together so holy that we're floating around our feet barely touching the ground. But outside of church, it's a different story. Or we cover up our sin by justifying it. We say, it's really not that bad. It's not that deep. It's just my personality. I'm not as bad as that person over there. I'm just living my truth. I'm just doing what feels good for me. 
And so we justify ourselves. We cover up our sin, we justify ourselves. But we deceive ourselves when we do that, if we claim that we are without sin. So I want to be honest with you guys, because I've heard that you are a church full of love and grace, and I know I'm not going to receive any judgment from my honesty. Um, I am known to be quite undisciplined when it comes to food. Especially at lunchtime, so around our church, there's Nando's, there's a Turkish, there's Wendy's, there's a Nigerian restaurant, there's Caribbean, there's my, take your pick. Um, and so because I'm really undisciplined, um, I don't make the time to prepare food in advance and then I'm really just, the temptation is just too much to go out and eat, which is really not good for, for the health of my body or the health of my bank account. And... So what I'm trying to do more often is to prepare food in advance and take my lunch with me to work. So I, I cook some food, put it in Tupperware, and then heat it up when I get to work. Um, but sometimes, more often than I'd like to admit, when I bring my lunch home, my Tupperware home in my bag, I just can't be bothered to sort my bag out when I get home. And so the Tupperware just sits there in my bag, hidden away, out of sight. And my wife's shaking her head at me. Um, and, uh, and then I don't take lunch with me the next day, so I don't check what's in my bag. And I take my bag with me, and like, maybe for like the next week, this Tupperware is just sitting in my bag. When I cook food, it's not, just like, it, it's not just like plain food, like it's got some sauce to it, so there's like sauce residue in the Tupperware. When I finally go to open the, my bag, the Tupperware's like at the point where it's like growing mold. Um, but I know that you guys won't judge me for that because you're not <laughs> judgmental. But if I had just taken the Tupperware out of my bag as soon as I got home, at least it would be in eyesight so I know at some point I need to sort it out instead of forgetting about it in my bag. When we cover up our sin, it festers and stinks up our lives like mouldy Tupperware. But look what happens when we acknowledge and confess our sin in verse 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. Just like taking the Tupperware out of my bag and washing it straight away as soon as I get home. If we acknowledge our sin, more than that, if we confess our sin to God and to trusted community, it actually allows us to receive forgiveness from God and truly be purified of our unrighteousness. You don't have to hide your sin. God is waiting to forgive. He's waiting to cleanse us of our sin. You don't need to justify your sin and continue living in it because God wants to cleanse you of your sin so that you can be justified without it. See, if we're trying to cover up our sin, it's actually a sign that we don't believe the gospel. It's a sign that we believe that we're saved by our own good works, and so we have to cover up our sin so that we don't lose our salvation. But our righteousness doesn't come from our good works or our lack of sin. But it's given to us freely by a God who loves us, who saves us, and who cleanses us as we turn to him in faith and repentance. 
And it's not that our sin isn't a big deal. It's not like we can just go on sinning and doing whatever we want because God's going to forgive us. Take a look at what John says in chapter 2, verses 1 to 2 as we continue. My dear children, I tell you, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also the sins of the whole world. See, the reason John reminds us that God is faithful and just to forgive is not so that we'll feel free to continue in sin because he is going to forgive us. He reminds us that God is faithful and just to forgive so that we will not sin. See, sin is serious. And I think it's probably helpful at this point to define what sin actually is. Often when we talk about sin, we're probably thinking about individual sins like uh, sexual immorality or lying or, or murder or something like that. But it's actually more helpful to think of sin as a heart posture of rebellion against God. See, long before any sinful action has taken place, Sin has already taken place in our hearts. Our sinful actions flow from rebellion against God in our hearts. And although human beings were created to be close to God, were made for friendship with God, sin has corrupted our human nature and separated us from him. And so now, all of humanity, we actually can't help ourselves but choose sin, but choose rebellion against God. And so sin, not just bad actions that we choose to do or not do, sin as in rebellion against God, who is light and love. This sin is woven into the fabric of our corrupted human nature. And because of sin, we deserve death. And so really, confessing our sin should not be enough to lead us from sin to righteousness. Now, based on the silence in the room, I can tell you're probably thinking, well, all right, things just got really heavy then. (laughs) You're absolutely right. They did get heavy. But I think it's actually really important for us to understand how heavy the weight of sin is and how impossible it is for us to deal with it ourselves. Because when we understand the depths and the weight of our sin we can actually see more clearly the magnitude of God's love and grace displayed in Jesus Christ. See, our sin is so great and its grip on us so strong that merely confessing our sin should not be enough to receive forgiveness. But we're told in the verse that we just read why it is enough. My dear children... I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anyone does sin, if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only ours, but also the sins of the whole world. So we were lost in our sin, unable to be righteous, like we didn't have any capability of being righteous. And our sin is such a big deal that it demands death. And so Jesus Christ, the righteous one, swapped places with us. He took death and died as our atoning sacrifice. 
and he gave us his righteousness. And he didn't just die in our place, but he rose again three days later, defeating sin and death on our behalf forever. Yeah, amen. And so now if we put our faith in Jesus, we're free from the power of sin and death. And we no longer need to cover up our sin because if we do sin, Jesus advocates for us. He says, it's cool, I've paid their penalty. And if we confess our sin, then we can receive forgiveness and cleansing from all of our unrighteousness. So true righteousness doesn't come from our good works or our lack of sin. True righteousness comes from trusting the price that Jesus paid. And confessing our sin regularly that God might forgive us, that he might empower us to live righteously for him and enable us to leave our lives of sin behind. This is where living in the light starts. It starts with Jesus bringing us out of darkness and into light by moving us from sin and into righteousness. You still with me? So that's the, the, first, uh, the first way um, that Jesus moves us from darkness into light. That's the, the first kind of um, thing that we have to kind of uh, see in our lives if we're going to be living in the light. This move from sin to righteousness. Um, and then the second movement is the, the move from lies to truth. Uh, let's take a look at First uh, John chapter 2, verses 3. To six. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how um, we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Okay, so... To walk in the light is to leave behind the lies of the world and live in the truth of God's word. So to know God is to obey his commands. And to love God is to obey, is to obey his word. And again, John comes back to this idea that our words are not enough. It's not enough for us to say, I know God if we continue to live in disobedience to his word. It's not enough for us to say, I love God. It's not enough for us to sing worship songs of love to God if we are content with disobeying his word. Um, One day, a young boy asked his dad if he could invite a friend over. His dad said, of course, that's completely fine. Uh, And this friend that the boy was going to invite over didn't have a particularly good relationship with his own dad um, and so was really glad to get out of the house. And so the the friend comes over and the two boys are playing FIFA in their their bedroom because that's what boys do. Well, maybe they don't. Um, But these particular boys play FIFA in their bedroom. Um, And uh, the dad calls to them and he says... uh, Boys, come here, I need you to do something for me. And so um, the son gets up to go and see what his father wants. And his friend says, no, I don't go. I don't want to do anything that 
um, that your dad needs us to do. And he says, the boy says to his friend, okay, well, you can stay here and carry on playing. I'm going to go and see what my dad wants. So the boy finds his dad in the kitchen and his dad says, okay, good, you're here. Here's what I need you to do. I've ordered this delicious pizza and I want you to eat it with your friend. And when you're done, I want you to have ice cream for dessert. And then later on, I've got tickets to go and see your favorite football team. So get changed uh, and we're going to go together later on. See, the, the friend didn't know the boy's father so well and didn't have a great relationship with his own dad. And so when he hears the words, I need you to do something for me, he doesn't trust that what he is going to be asked to do is good. But the son knows his, his father. He knows his father's love for him and knows that if his father's asking him to do something, that it's going to be good. And even if he's not going to enjoy it, the son wants to please his father. And so, um, what John is saying here is not that we must obey God in order to know him. It's not that we must obey God in order to know, to, to receive his love. But it's the other way around. It's that if we truly know God, and the more we know God, the more we know what he's like, the more we know his love and his faithfulness and his goodness, the more we can trust that when he asks us to do something, even if we don't quite understand why, we can trust that it's good. And so living in the light, in terms of leaving behind the lies to live in the truth, is not so much this begrudging obedience to God, but it is knowing the character of God, knowing that this God is light and there is no darkness in him, and therefore if he is commanding us to do things, that it is for our good, that he does have our best interests at heart. So the more we know God, the more we know his love, the more we want to obey him. That is why God's love is made complete in us if we're obedient to his word. But the other thing I want to highlight on, on leaving behind the lies to live in the truth is this. Um, God's word is more than commands. God's word is promises too. And I think sometimes, that I guess, I'm guessing there are two types of people in this room. Uh, on one side, there are those of you who, um, you're all for God's commands. You want to live for God with all that you have. But because you think so little of yourself, you don't really believe that God has anything to give you. And so you, you hold on to all of the commands but you don't believe that God's promises are for you. For you to live in the truth and leave behind lies, for you to live in the light, you have to hold on to the promises of God as well as being obedient to him. And then on the other side, there are those of you who are all for the promises of God. You probably declare them over your life every day. You probably uh, pray for a parking spot when there's, there's none uh, there. Um, but you're not so willing to be obedient to him. And, and so I guess the invitation from God's word for you today 
is to understand that God's commands are good. His law is life. And that when God commands you to do something, it is for your protection and for your blessing and for the blessing of those around you. Get to know the true God, not the, not the God that we kind of make in our, our imagination, the God who always agrees with us and disagrees with everyone who disagrees with us, but the true God, the God of the Bible, the God of love and grace and mercy and faithfulness, and you get to know him, you, you, you'll want to be obedient to his commands. Um. And I guess, okay, I was just, just wanted to check out time for this. One more point before I move on. Even though I've been talking about we, ha- we have to know God, and the more we know God, that's what leads us to, to obedience to his word. There are still some of you who are going to walk out of here today and you're like, okay, I'm going to give it my best effort. I'm going to give it my best shot um, to uh, be obedient to God um, this week. And love the enthusiasm. Keep the enthusiasm. But your method is, is slightly, slightly skewed. I'll explain it like this. Following Jesus is not like you are, you are living life almost like you're rowing a boat. And then when you give your life to Jesus, he puts sails in the boat so it makes it easier for the boat to move. Following Jesus is like you are in a boat with a hole in it without any rows. Like, it's not like you were, you were doing okay before and then Jesus made things easier. It's like you were heading for death before and Jesus saved your life. And so, um, if you walk out of here trying to be obedient to God in your own strength, you're trying to be obedient to God out of the corrupted human nature that we spoke about earlier. And so what we need is to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us to be obedient. So not just knowledge of God, um, but the power of God to work in our lives so that we can be obedient to him. Um, And lastly, the last um, aspect of what it looks like to live in the light is for God to move us from hate to love. So this move from darkness to light is a move from sin to righteousness, from lies to truth, and from hate um, to love. Uh, Verses 7 to 8. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. So what um, John is referring to here is Jesus' command to his disciples to love one another. And in, in John's gospel, um, he writes the words of Jesus and Jesus says, a new command I'm giving you, um, love one another, essentially. So that's what John is, is referring to. Uh, and so we see that in the next, next verses, in verses 9 to 11. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing making them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother and sister or sister is in darkness 
and walks around in darkness. They do not know where they are going because darkness has blinded them. Hate is darkness. To have hate for another person in our hearts is to live in darkness. But to love is to walk in the light. And we're not talking about like a, we're not talking about like a a sentimental love. We're not talking about almost like a romanticized love of like, oh, this person is so easy to get on with and I love them. They make me laugh. They make me smile. Like, this is the same love that we have been shown. Jesus displayed his love for us on the cross and died for us whilst we were still sinners. He showed us his love even though there was a chance of us not returning love back to him. And he continues to show us love no matter how much we turn away from him, no matter how much we disobey, no matter how much we choose other idols, Jesus still chooses to love. This is the type of love that John is talking about. Anything outside of this love is hate. That's really hard. (laughs) That's really hard. Because for all of us, we have people in our lives that really rub us up the wrong way. We have people that at the very least, like I'm talking bare minimum, they irritate us. And maybe, again, we don't want to cover up our sin. So maybe for some of us, these people are actually people we want to punch in the face. Um, and, the, and, and I think it's for us, in order for us to love well, I think it's important for us to acknowledge those things. Like, not just, not just to deceive, again, deceive ourselves and say, do you know what, I'm a really loving person, when actually you were rude to the person on the checkout because they didn't scan your things fast enough. Um, like, we, if we're going to love people the way Jesus calls us to love, really it has to start with us receiving love from him. Because Jesus really is the only one who uh, unprompted, he is the only one who loves this way unprompted. And so if we can receive the unconditional love of Jesus, if we can remember um, that we were completely lost and dead in our sin and he rescued us out of that in his love, And then empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can love one another. But this is what it it looks like to live in the light. To move, or rather to allow Jesus to move us from sin to righteousness. Um, To allow him to move us from lies to truth. And to allow him to move us from hate to love, to lead us in his love to those around us. And so just as I close, um, yeah, thank you. Thanks, Louise. Um, just, just as I close, I wonder if you'd just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And what, 
I'd love for us to do, um, even if, if you're watching online, maybe stop doing the dishes or, or something just for a moment and just, just take a moment to hear how the Spirit might be prompting you to respond to his word today. just waiting to see what God wants to do. But just as we wait, fix your attention on him. Open your ears to what he he wants to say. Just, just as we respond to God's word, I wonder if the prayer team could come up and just, just get ready. Just, just as the, the prayer, prayer team are getting ready and coming forward, um, I just want to encourage you not to, not to miss what God is saying to you as, as an individual. But I do sense that there, um, there may be people here who, as I was talking about um, covering up sin, that like really resonated with you maybe like you kind of felt like a prick in your heart like oh that's that's what I'm doing like I have all of these things that I'm trying to hide from from everyone even from God himself don't worry I'm not going to ask you to come and confess all of your your sins and your secrets right now but I do feel that um, the Holy Spirit might be wanting to set you free from that shame that you might be feeling. And so if, if that is you, um, whilst I was, was talking, um, sorry, Mike, should we come up now? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so if, if that is you, um, I wonder if you just come to the front and just um, receive prayer from, from, the, from the prayer team just to allow God to remove that shame from you and affirm his love for you. Um, and just help you to move forward in righteousness uh, and leave your life of sin behind. Um, so yeah, if, if, if that's you, if that resonated with you, I wonder if you'd, you'd come to the front and receive prayer. Um, and then... And then I wonder also if there are people here who um, as I was talking about knowing God more 
and that leading us to obedience. Um, that that resonated with you, that you're like, okay, I want to be obedient to God, but actually I just, I want to know that I can trust God. I want to know that He is love, that He is faithful, that what He's commanding me to do is truly good. Um, if, if that's you, I, I want to invite you to come forward for prayer as well and just receive a fresh revelation of who God is. Um, so yeah, if, if you're, um, it, yeah, if, if you want to receive freedom from the shame you're feeling from your secret sin, but also if you, you want to just have a fresh revelation of God, um, I, I wonder if you'd come forward for prayer as well. Um, but otherwise I'll hand over, hand back over to Mike. I wonder before we thank Corey, why don't we just stand? Mm-hmm. I was really struck by that illustration of the Tupperware. I think more so because I do exactly the same thing. Um, and I, I think that's just such a fantastic illustration of sin. You see, sin likes to sit down and deep and buried, forgotten about. But actually, just like that mould, it grows something. Although sin leads to death, it has its own life. And it begins to grow and fester and infect. And oftentimes moving into the light requires something of us and moving forward and it's always very difficult of course when there's a response and you think shall I go forward shall I not go forward but oftentimes doing something physically in an act of walking forward is breaking something in the secret that's why sin grows it's because it's hidden and as Ari said there's no sort of confession you don't have to come and tell the prayer team all your sin but if you just want to break something I really encourage you to walk forward And I know not because of any revelation, but I know because I'm a fallen person myself that there'll be many people in this room who are feeling that prick in the heart, that that compulsion to to move forward, but worried about what everyone else thinks. I want to tell you no one else cares because we've all got our own issues and our own problems. If it isn't this week, there'll be something next week or the week after that or the month after that. So we're going to sing a really poignant song actually that speaks into this situation um, that we're talking about. And Ari is so eloquently unpacked. We're going to sing Waymaker. And we're not just going to sing it, we're going to declare it over our lives, over our church, over our town, over all the things in our life that are sitting secretly deep down within that are maybe festering and growing something. But I would really implore you not to walk out of these doors or click off the live stream before you deal with that thing in your life. And it might be a tiny little thing or it might be a huge massive thing, but take the step forward in the physical to come and stand with someone. They won't ask you anything personal. Unless you want to tell them, you can do. But we just want to stand with you in prayer. So prayer team, I wonder if you just come down the front. You're really nice and visible. And there's a prayer team upstairs as well. If you're upstairs, you don't have to navigate the, the death trap. That is our stairs. You can go to the balcony at the back. But we're going to sing this. And as this song is being sung and declared over our church, over our lives, please do take the opportunity to break something. Step out physically, move forward, come and stand with someone. You might just want to come to the front and have no one pray for you, that's fine. But that act physically, I think, does something so important spiritually that is hidden in our lives. So thank you, team.